It's the Everything 80s Podcast with Franco in the morning. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Big Paul Castellano's life last night may very well have been a payoff for getting into such trouble with the feds. I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Hey everybody and welcome back. It's me, Franco, your morning DJ from 100.9 K Hits FM. And it's uh, all about the 80s. It's back to our Everything 80s podcast. Uh, a little bit about my new co-host before we get started. Oh, even before that, uh, be sure to listen to K Hits at BigHitsBigFun.com. Uh, if you have Alexa, just say, Alexa, play 100.9 K Hits FM and magically we show up. Depending on where you are in the world, you may get a different K Hits uh, if that works, or if that doesn't work, then just go to BigHitsBigFun.com. Be sure to follow me on TikTok while it's still there. After that, I'm going to go to TikTok. If you were watching the <laughs> congressional hearings, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, follow at Franco in the morning. You also find me on uh, Facebook Reels and uh, most of the socials. BigHitsBigFun.com is our website. I've got a real live 80s kid to join me every week on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an 80s kid, right? Kind of, yeah. Uh, so please welcome uh, comedian Sean Morton. Sean and I met through comedy because I have, which I've talked about, a comedy promotion company where we raise money for nonprofit organizations and have been doing it since 2016. Uh, Sean, you joined our roster about three years ago, right? Is that when I met you? Just uh, maybe a little more than that. A little more than three years. Yeah, um, a little more than that. And uh, Sean is a headliner uh, and does a great job uh, for us and anywhere he's... Uh, doing his show and his comedy. Uh, lots lots of times you'll find him at the Hard Rock Casino or uh, in Atlantic City, correct? And, and other venues in your area from New Jersey. Anywhere with a microphone. Anywhere where there's a microphone, he'll tell jokes. That's what most comedians would, would say. And then secondly, they say, how much time do I have? Uh, and yeah. as we know, you always like to go over the time. Well, you constantly remind me that I go over the time, yeah, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Sean, when I say you're a real live 80s kid, you're born in what, 76? August 13th, 1976. All right. So let's see. What was I doing in 1976? I was a freshman in high school. And my high school, <laughs> I, now listen, my, my high school was, um, you know, overpopulated. So freshmen went from five uh, from noon to five p.m. and upperclassmen went from eight to noon. We were on split sessions, and okay. my father uh, worked in construction, pops, and he would and he worked overnight. So while he was sleeping before school, I would take his car out, and uh, we'd go joyriding his car. I didn't have a license, you know, which is, was dangerous. We don't recommend that, but it was the seventies. Uh, and the other thing that was bad was the the uh, the gas crisis. So if you ran out of gas, you're in trouble because there wasn't gas anywhere. I've heard about that. You know, um, <laughs> but it was yeah, you heard about you heard about those uh, those, those yeah. telephones with the long wires. The, <laughs> the ration? No, I had one of those. <laughs> I heard about the gas rationing where you had to like you know go certain days and stuff like that. I yeah, I think you went uh, on even and odd days depending what your license plate had for numbers. Right. But I had a gas right. guy. I had a gas guy, so we were able to go in the middle of the night and get gas. But anyway, all these years later, my my dad. Uh, I don't bring up you know sad stuff, but he you know we're in the hospital. He, he's dying. Um, and, uh, I, I whispered to Zara, I go, you know, I used to take your car out. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I knew that. And he's like dropping F-bombs at me right before. Um, but so he knew that I used to do that. So parents know we do. Um, oh, yeah. but, uh, so let's see what else. I was a year away from seeing Led Zeppelin in concert. 
Um, I had already been arrested, um, but it was youthful offender. I was playing basketball in the park after dark. I was breaking the curfew. <laughs> oh, real, real tough kid. Yeah. So I remember <laughs> tough guy. I remember you saying that um, appetite for destruction changed your life. Correct. All right. You were 11. You needed your life changed at 11. Were you 11 or 12? That came out in like 87 or 88, right? Yeah, 87. All right. Uh, the reason why I say it changed my life is because I have uh, two musical influences in my life. It was my mom and my uncle. Uh-huh. So my mom was the country person. So I grew up listening to like old school country. Old school country. Like I'm talking like Lefty Frizzell, like all that kind of Not old, even Glenn old, Campbell at that time, right? Or Johnny before Cash. Before Glenn Yeah, before all that. So I at least listened to all that. Damn. And I can vividly remember um, seeing my uncle and he says to me, I know that you uh, – want to be nice to your mom i know that you like to listen to this stuff um and you're just doing it because you have to do it mm-hmm. but i want you to listen to this record and it was blizzard of oz by ozzy osbourne nice and i he goes just don't play track three i'm like <laughs> okay so what do you do i go you right, right to, to track, track three. three yeah and it was uh, i think it was suicide solution right and i was like oh this is like nothing i've ever heard before then you hear crazy train so like i i was in i was uh, brought into the rock world with that but uh, Appetite was the first record that I really bought on my own. It was my first CD that I ever bought with right. my own money. Wow. And changed everything. Just absolutely changed the whole trajectory of my life. Right. You know, that album never, almost didn't break. And I'll tell you a quick story because you know I do the history of music on TikTok while it's still there. Um, there's a piece I did on that album. The album was at about, um, I think, 200,000 units. And David Geffen was going to drop them drop them oh wow and the guy who signed them i forget his name uh i found an interview with him and he said you've got to get this on mtv you've got to it's going to be huge these guys are going to be fantastic they're going to be unbelievable and david geffen was like no nah, i think you know it's, it's, we've gave him we give him a shot he goes please 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 get it on mtv so geffen with the power that he has and still has more power than then now um, but um, more power now than then but anyway he had enough power he called mtv and they played it one spin at midnight, and that was it. That's it. That was it. It blew up. MTV it took, me forever, it, took me forever to see them in concert. Yeah, because you know, as a child, I wasn't at fourteen. I wasn't going to be able to go to a show by myself. Right. So when these reunion tours came around, I bought like I think I went to seven shows uh-huh. over the span of two years, and I spent thousands. Yeah, you spent a lot of, of dollars. Money, yeah. And uh, I'll never forget going to, I saw them in Philadelphia first because I didn't want anybody I know to see me cry <laughs> in New Jersey. So I took a friend of mine and we went to, we went to Lincoln Field and Financial Center in, yeah. uh, in Philly and uh, they open up, but it's so easy. So all you hear is dun, 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 and I'm and you're in tears. Yeah. I'm, I'm hysterical. I'm absolutely hysterical crying, but I saw them like six other times and I'm going to see them again in, uh, in August. Wow, well, that's fantastic. Uh, but isn't that an amazing story? Because the, the A&R guys and women at Geffen were in such, well, all labels were in such competition to get their records played because uh, they wanted to break their acts. And this guy knew, he knew that Guns N' Roses were going to be huge and they were going to drop them. And that's where MTV comes in to play. I was programming Top 40 Radio in the 80s and everyone said, oh, video's going to kill the radio star. Video did nothing of the, of the kind. It helped radio because we, they broke so many records uh, and it helped radio to to really thrive in the 80s. So, um you know, you know, and then all these years later, what's killing radio is radio. But that's for another conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, MTV was the greatest thing that ever came into my life. Unbelievable! It was unbelievable. And um, 
That's just a great story that you have. And, and I will say that, Sean, you have the most eclectic taste in music uh, because you go from Anthrax to uh, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yeah, I go everywhere. I always say I, I pray to God that uh -huh. I never die in a car accident because I never want the, the person who's going to find me to look at my phone because they're going to believe I'm a, I'm a complete sociopath <laughs> just by looking at my music. I really go all over the map. I mean, uh -huh. and we go to hundreds and hundreds of shows I, you know, over the course of years. I thought they're you were going. I thought you were going to say because my mother always said, "Make sure you have on clean underwear in case you get in a car accident." I thought oh. you were going to say, "I don't want anyone seeing seeing me wear my Justin Timberlake boxers." Oh, that would mean <laughs> I have to actually wear them. Yeah, you. right. You're a commando guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It's powered by Prime Eighty Two Restaurant, and I want to talk uh, randomly about some things that happened in the '80s that people just may have forgotten about. And here's one. That uh, had a lot of jokes, and uh, you don't seem to hear about it anymore, and you forget. And then when I bring it up, you're like, oh, my God. Uh, and that, of course, was Richard Pryor set himself on fire in 1980. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Do you remember the—and uh, and he would, when he came back to do stand-up, he would do the joke. He'd light a match and go, yeah, everybody knows what this is, right? And there's, like, the match going up and down. It's like Richard Pryor running. running. Yeah. Oh, you know, you never saw that? You, Co you, cocaine you know, is a hell of a drug, let me tell you. You, you never saw that joke? You had oh, to. Of course him. I have. Yeah, so that was like one of his opening jokes. And uh, uh, it's what to be considered one of the strangest moments of the 80s. He, uh, he just, you know, he ran and ran and ran away. And, um, you know, that's where the joke came from. But he did make a comeback and he made jokes about it. But, uh, you know, anytime something dangerous happens and the person survives, you, you can't help but make fun of it, you know. Oh, look at poor Michael Jackson when his hair went on fire during the Pepsi commercial. <laughs> that was funny. You know, and he had the glove I on remember being, in the stretcher. Well, yeah, I remember, I remember being a, a kid. I was uh, probably eight years old at the time, and I worshipped Michael. Like, mm -hmm. I had the glove. I had the glove. Had the glove. I had the jacket. It was right. just, it was a fat little white boy wearing his <laughs> Michael Jackson jacket and glove. It was horrific to watch. Yeah. But I can remember hearing about this and sobbing because, like, back in the day, remember, there's no internet, so all you're hearing is the news. Mm -hmm. So when you hear it on the news and as a child, you're kind of confused. And I, I was sobbing when I, I thought he was dying. I thought he was dead. Right. And that was only really there's like three dead. three major stations. That was before the twenty four hour news cycle, right? That happened right, well that happened exactly. in nineteen eighty two, I think. Um but yeah, I have a funny Michael Jackson story. We did a prank. It was April Fool. It was April first, and uh, we said that uh, Michael Jackson was playing in Hartford, Connecticut. And so we said Michael wanted to see the Eugene O'Neill Theater, right? Uh, and we did this <laughs> okay. whole thing and we put a guy named Michael in a limo, and they stopped at a hardware store, got a glove, and put glue and glitter on it or whatever. Uh, and uh, so so I was on the air saying that Michael wanted to see the Eugene O'Neill Theater, which is an attraction here in eastern Connecticut. And so the limo, you know, so long story, but the limo gets there, and hundreds of people had left work, right? Uh, and they're chasing the limo, and he pops out of the sunroof with a sign that says, April Fool's. Um, so it was it was an awesome April Fool's prank, but it was page one of the newspaper. Uh, Franco disappoints thousands because I was running the radio station. It wasn't my oh, idea. Wow. It was the morning team. It was the morning team's brainstorm. Those guys were hilarious. Uh, and we were getting threats, and, and, and people wanted to sue the station because they you know, they fell chasing the limo. It was just like a – it was just – it's unbelievable oh, what wow. people will believe uh, when a radio station says that something's happening. And, and it's April 1st. But people forget that because they were so wound up in Michael Jackson. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I missed my opportunity to meet him. We were supposed to meet Michael Jackson. That, and we were waiting to meet him. There was a, 
it was a popcorn machine, snow cone, snow cone machine in this backstage area, and it never came out. Um, oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. But um, and I, now, have a, I have I have a story about uh, 1984 as well. Is uh, I was a huge Springsteen fan. I still am. A huge yeah, I know Springsteen you are. You spent thousands to go see him now. Oh, I, I can't wait. And uh, so my mom worked at a eye doctor in Hoboken, New Jersey, on uh-huh. Washington Street, which is on 11th and Washington. And the famous club Maxwell's is on 14th and Washington. So in 1984, and one day in the summer, uh, Born in the USA is out. And he decides to film the Glory Days video at Maxwell's in Hoboken. So here's little fat eight-year-old Sean begging <laughs> people to please let me go inside and see my hero. Right. And they go, kid, you're eight. You can't be in a bar. <laughs> so technically, I was at the Bruce Springsteen video shoot, but I was not allowed but to go you in allowed simply to get in. because, you know, it was a discrimination against the fat and young. <laughs> and I've seen the pictures. He's not lying. Um Thanks. But we'll get back to 84 in a second. So a couple of random things. Uh, Prince Charles, Lady Di, were married July 29th, 1980. That, I think that, that everybody was glued to that. Now, you were only four, so at the time, four or five, right? So not something. There's certain, yeah, I don't remember that. This, the, yeah. My first memory is actually hearing about John Lennon being shot. You do remember that. My first memory ever is John Lennon being shot, yeah. Wow. Um, I was on the radio that night. And it was just uh, the, and I've told this story before, but it's, I think it's worth retelling uh, to all the new people now that you're on that are going to be listening. But I was on the air, I was like 20, and um, back then we had the Associated Press machine. Uh, there was, you know, I was, you know, social media, all the news came over the AP wire. So I'm in the studio, I'm doing my show, and the bells were going off on the AP wire. When the bells went off, that meant it was a big announcement, a big news, something major happened. So I thought immediately something happened uh, during the um, Patriots-Dolphins game because they were playing. It was Monday night. And I run back there to see what the news was. And uh, actually, uh, somebody posted, an old friend of mine that I worked with, posted the, uh, I don't think it was the actual AP uh, wire, but a copy of it uh, that just said uh, John Lennon shot and killed in New York City. I can't imagine what that was like. And me as as a huge John Lennon fan, I mean... Anybody who was a big Beatles fan or a big, you know, uh, and I'm on the radio, I don't know what to do. I'm new at this, you know. Uh, you know, so I, I don't remember what I said. And then, uh, and then I started driving to New York after my shift. I was doing nights. So I was on until midnight. And I started driving, and then I just kind of, you know, turned around and came back home. I but think yeah, one so thing that's... I can probably uh, relate that to is probably when Kurt Cobain died. Right, right. That's probably the, like my equivalent to yep, that, uh, would be that for time you. frame. Yeah. And that was hard, too, because I was a Nirvana maniac. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so um, I think one of my earliest memories was JFK's assassination. Oh, so wow. that's probably my earliest memory. That and the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You know, I think that's when I got hooked when I was like four or five when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. Uh, Bob Marley um, died in 1980, and actually 1981. Um, from cancer. Do you remember that he uh, he was shot, too, when somebody did a break-in at his house? Yes, yeah, I do remember. That was a big story, too. And uh, so I want to move along. So uh, we'll talk about, you know, it's basically, you know, it's a little it's, it's a little organized, but it's unorganized mayhem as we kind of go through. I think 1984, I said, would be our focus here. Uh, yes. So let's talk about the top 10 songs from 1984. Uh, at number 10, and I think, you know, you know, it's hard to say 
who the breakthrough artist of the 80s was because, you know, uh, by the way, our, our radio station I work for here is an 80s station primarily. We just started sprinkling in some 90s, uh, but it's primarily an 80s station. And, you know, there's so many breakthrough artists. But, I th- you know, Boy George, because uh, number 10 was uh, Karma Chameleon uh, Culture Club at number 10 in 1984 for the year. Uh, I, f- I feel like he is at least one of the top five breakthrough artists of the 80s. I'd have to look at put a list together. But, I mean, you were growing up listening to the radio, uh, probably in the top 40 at that at that time. So what do you say? Uh, I don't know if I would go top five. You know? but uh, Yeah, I don't know that I would go top five. I, I mean, so different. Of... So, so, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, it'd been, that had been done before by Bowie, but, um, you know. And, this uh, was next level. Yeah, yeah this, this was really, next level this than really Bowie. was next level than <laughs> Bowie, you know. It was like. Uh, no. I remember seeing him in concert. I, I think I was about eight or nine. My mom mm-hmm. took me. It was, uh, I think the Beach Boys opened up for them, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that Beach makes Boys sense. Opened up the for Beach Culture Boys Club. opened for Culture Club? Yeah, I, I believe that was the show. Wow. Uh, and I remember seeing them, and they, they were just amazing. And I, right. later on, years later, I saw the uh, Boy George play on Broadway, Taboo. Mm-hmm. So I've been a fan since I was a kid, too. But right. I don't know if I, I would say top five. Right. Really okay. Know. Yeah, because there's so many big artists. But I just think because of how different he was. And again, you're right. He was like, you know, 100 miles away from what Boy was doing and, and Mark Bolin and, and all the people who originated glam rock or whatever. But uh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll agree to disagree. I'd have to really look at a list. You know, yeah, Madonna was probably the, the major breakthrough artist of the 80s. Sure. Uh, Madonna, you know. Michael Jackson, Prince. Michael, yeah. there's, your, there's your top three. Yeah. Prince, that's true. All right, uh, to, uh, number nine, Ghostbusters. Ray Parker Jr. was the number nine record of the year. Hate that song. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I hate. I hate like like little uh, like niche songs like you that. You don't like stuff like that, okay? Like the Macarena. Ugh. <laughs> uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart, yes, which I played this morning on my morning show, uh, was at number eight for the year. I don't see you as a yes fan. I don't know. Am oh, I right? I'm not a yes yeah, fan I didn't think in the so. least bit. Yeah. I hate Deep Purple. I hate Rush. I hate all those kind of like progressive rock Yeah, I, It's funny because when I do a progressive rock piece on my uh, on my uh, history of music, which you can follow me while it lasts at Franklin in the Morning, um, the progressive rock music fans are really music snobs. You oh, know, 100%. 100% music snobs. And you say one thing wrong about a progressive rock act, and uh, I stay away from it. I just do because it's not worth the argument. You. And because it's pretty horrible to begin with. Well, uh, Hello, Lionel Richie was at number seven for the year. Great song. Yep. Love Lionel Richie. Yep. Here's another, Absolutely love him. Here's another song I think you're going to like uh, or liked a lot and played the heck out of, Jump by Van Halen. Yeah, back when it came out, I loved it. And then yeah. when, you, when I went uh, a little older, I went deeper into the Van Halen catalog and you start realizing, wow, this song really is like nothing they've ever done. Like they, they, they they really just wrote a hit. Like that was the whole purpose of jump. (laughs) All right. It's nothing like anything they did before. Uh, Against all odds. uh, Phil Collins was at number five. Love me some Phil Collins. Yeah. Love some Phil Collins. Mm -hmm. Not a fan of like the early Genesis stuff, but like I do love me some Phil Collins. National treasure. Uh, Footloose. Kenny Loggins is number four. Same same thing as Ghostbusters. (laughs) You don't like that, right? No. Too catchy for you. Um, yeah. He's coming to Mohegan Sun, by the way. We just gave him a bunch of tickets to that. Here's the song oh, I nice. think is horrible. Uh, say, 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 Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, number oh, three. Oh, we agree 100%. Terrible that. song. That is a terrible song. All those I songs. Never liked it. Yeah. And uh, Paul McCartney tells a funny story about, you know, that, that whole thing with Michael Jackson wanting to do songs with Paul was his whole way of getting in with Paul because, as Paul would say the story, and Michael would say, I- I'm going to buy his songs, uh, which yeah, he did. Exactly. Which he did. And we sold them for like four times the amount, too. I right, think, right, yeah. Uh, Sony is actually looking for a partner to buy the other 50%. Sony owns 50%. Uh, 
What's Love Got to Do with It? Great, great comeback, mm-hmm. Tina Turner. 100%. I love, love, love Tina Turner. I'd um, still throw her down. I swear to God, <laughs> I would right now. Don't use the term "throw her down." She already had enough abuse in her life. Well, I, I mean, in a good way. I know not what in you mean. Way. I know what you mean. But uh, <laughs> she uh, really uh, is an inspiration to anybody, uh, any uh, woman or guy that um, sure. suffers from domestic violence. And she's 100%. a real hero, real hero. Number one song, Prince, When Doves Cry, was the number one song of 1984. I he, agree with that. He also had three songs. Let's see if you can name them. I'm not quizzing you because I can't remember them either, but you might know because you're an aficionado. Three songs that went to number two that should have been number one songs that never went number one. Do you know what they Purple are? Purple Rain. Yep. Let's Go Crazy. Yep. And off the same album? Uh, I don't know if they're off the same album, but I know it came maybe up in one of my... Th- maybe Raspberry Beret. No, nah, that wouldn't have been a number one. Um... It was something else. We'd have to look it up. I don't have time. But okay. anyway, very good. You did well, I got that. two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, let's see. In 19, We're doing 84, right? Yeah. So we, you must have been watching a lot of TV with your mom and, at oh, that yeah. age. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So uh, number 10 TV show was uh, Falcon Crest, Crazy Like a Fox. Yeah, I used to watch that with my grandmother. Oh, come I used to watch on. All of, those, all of those shows Dallas, Falcon Crest, Knott's Landing. I used to watch all that stuff. I'm, I'm only sure child. Murder She Wrote? So, uh, no, no, no. Grandma? She wrote. No? No, no. She was all into the soap operas and wrestling. <laughs> my grandmother loved wrestling, too. But That's w- how I got into it. But with my grandmother, it was Bruno San Martino. <laughs> Mine, <laughs> too. Get out of Mine, really? too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but yeah, the uh, the lineup is just loaded uh, with soap operas. Okay, so uh, number ten, Falcon Crest. Number nine, Knots Landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight was Murder. She wrote, and then I kind of remember Simon to Simon. I didn't watch any of these shows in '84. Uh, a Team, I might have watched a little bit. Oh, I love Family Ties at number five. So it's uh, Falcon Crest, Crazy Like a Fox at ten, Knots Landing at nine, eight was Murder. She wrote seven, Simon to Simon. Sixth, uh, the A-Team, number five, Family Ties. What a great show. Absolutely yeah. fantastic show. You know, um, I, hate, I hate seeing the, the decline of Michael J. Fox. I really believe that he's uh, he would have been one of the biggest actors oh. that we've had. But what a, and I, I don't like to use the word hero, um, but, man, just unbelievable uh, what he does. You know, he's still right. out there making appearances. Uh, his beautiful wife still by his side. It's just unbel- It's remarkable. It really is. It's just remarkable. And I think there isn't anyone who could say they don't love Michael J. Fox. And how about they broke Billy Vera the Beaters? That's true, too. At this moment, right? Yeah. yeah I interviewed <laughs> Billy Vera. I interviewed Billy Vera uh, about three years ago. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes you interview somebody and one thing sticks in your head. And right. I think this is appropriate to bring up on this episode. Okay. He said to me, the music that you love at 13 is the music that you're always going to love for the rest of your life. Hmm. And I didn't, it didn't click. But then I took a step back and go, wow, right? everything that I still listen to is exactly from when 1989 to 1990. It's like my favorite era of music. And he was spot on with it. You know, that does make a lot. Of, it holds true with me as well. Um, but I want to get back. You talk about interviewing before we wrap, uh, which is going to be pretty soon because we got to move along. But I want to talk about where people can find you and your websites and your shows and again your podcast as well. All right, number number four, sixty minutes. It's going to be on every top ten list forever. <laughs> so, yeah, agreed. Um, number three, boy, how the mighty have fallen. The Cosby Show was uh, number three, uh, and uh, yeah. number two was Dallas, and uh, 
Dynasty was the number one TV show of 1984. See, I would have thought Dallas was number one with the whole Who Shot Jr. thing. That, was uh, that on, came though, before 84. 84, though, didn't it? Yeah, but I still think that, that was. I still thought that was a bigger show than than Dynasty. But right, well, it's not a bad list. It's yeah, solid. It's a pretty solid list. Okay, so here come uh, the top ten movies of 1984. As oh, I here we go. All right. Now I would say, and you're an 80s kid, but I would mm-hmm. say 1985, when it comes to the 80s, was the best year for movies. Now we could probably you're right. debate you're that. Very, you're, you're very close with why, that. Yeah. Why don't we do 85 next year? Because I mean, next week because sure. uh, it was just loaded. I mean, all the John John Hughes. I mean, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he was brilliant. Uh, so we'll focus 85 next week. All right. Purple Rain was at number 10. Okay. Uh, Romancing the Stone was number nine. These aren't really throwing me. Uh, You start. You seem like you might be a Star Trek guy. No, you're not. not Okay, neither am I. Kimberly, my wife, uh, loves Star. So uh, actually, uh, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. I think that was the one I liked. I'm not sure. I've never seen any Star Wars, Star Trek, right. Raiders of the Lost Ark, any of those movies. I've never seen them. All right, number seven. You hated the theme song. What about the movie Footloose? No, not at all. Didn't like that. Dumb, dumb uh, premise. Oh, let's 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 ban dancing. Shut but that up. that was a true premise. There's a real <sighs> town that did that. So dumb. Yeah. All right. Police Academy was number six. Now you're talking. Police Academy. Love Police Academy. <laughs> Naked Gun. Oh, those those campy those campy <laughs> comedies are amazing. All right. Uh, Karate Kid at number five. Top ten. My favorite movies of all yeah. time. Do you watch? Um, Cobra Kai? Yeah, do you watch it? Oh, amazing. Yeah, they it did is. It's so perfect. They're doing one more. They're doing, do you? Th- I think it's jumped a shark at this point, but I will watch the next season. I don't think they'll do another one. I don't think it has jumped a shark. I think that really? it's gotten progressively better. Yeah, I think it's gotten progressively better. And I think huh. more now you realize the whole truth that LaRusso is the enemy. Is he the is. Enemy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you, there's a whole conspiracy thing on YouTube if you watch it. Oh, yeah, that video. LaRusso. I've seen that. I've yeah, seen that. Great. Yeah. yeah, he is the enemy. Try to steal the girlfriend. Uh, yeah. I liked Gremlins at number four. I, I remember seeing movie. that in the movies. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that, like a midnight showing. Right. Because um, my oldest is 41, Frankie. So okay. uh, I don't think I you've met Frankie. Years on yeah, you have no, a, few, a few years on him, but I remember watching Gremlins with him and scaring the crap out of him. Uh, I was father of the year, you know. Well, you know, my parents. So this is why. This is why. A, I love mob stuff because you know I. Yeah, I love it so much. You you send me text messages saying uh, you're not in the mob. Um, exactly. And uh, two, I'm afraid of horses. I saw Are the God. Really? I saw the Godfather. <laughs> I saw the Godfather when I was like 12, and I think that's why I'm afraid of horses. It's very possible. You know, it's very possible, but. You shouldn't have told me that. But anyway, continue. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom nah, was number three. It. You had to love Beverly Hills Cop. I did. Yeah. I did love yeah. it. Later number, on in life, I appreciated it more. Number two. Okay, and uh, here's one where you also hate the theme song, uh, and probably, and this is Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, not a fan. Not a fan of Ghostbusters. I, 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 even then, even as a child, I didn't like campy stuff. Right, right. And it's just very campy, but right. hey, listen, I, I understand the, the value of the movie and how it... Uh, you know, it's, it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah. All right, so I, I do have to wrap up. I know you have stuff to do. I really appreciate this. I think we're going to have fun with it. Next week, we'll oh, yeah, uh, focus time. on 85. That just and, and, you know, there's other topics. I mean, that's the 80s. It's the, the decade of, you know, decadence and greed and fashion yep. and MTV. So there's a lot to talk about each week. Uh, but where can people find you? Because you have a great podcast yourself. Not that this yeah. is a great one, but you have, you're, you've just made it better. But. <laughs> We actually do a, uh, a music podcast. I have me and my, my my good friend Jeffrey Paul is also a comic. We decided that since we're two comics that we love music, everybody has a podcast. 
So let's just do something different. Mm -hmm. So we bring comics and actors and politicians, and we had some amazing musicians on. And TikTok influencers like myself. You were one of my favorite episodes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So it's called Who's Your Band? And it's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can get a podcast. And then my comedy is just on, I do it on Facebook most of the time. So it's just Sean Morton on Facebook. And then Instagram is Sean Morton Comic. Okay. Very simple. And I'm really glad you're part of our roster. uh, And I think I just booked you for two shows coming up, right? So. Best or at least book one. I work for. Huh? I hate say, I hate saying this, but you're the best book I work for. <laughs> you do. You don't like to say good things about me. No, and I know I that. Really don't. And, yeah. then, and as this pro, as this podcast progresses, I'm being very nice today. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see my love hate relationship with Franco pop right. up a lot more in the next few episodes. <clears throat> well, to stick up for myself, I may have to go off my meds, and then you won't like me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sean, for stopping in today. I appreciate it. We'll course, talk to buddy. you next week. Our podcast is powered by Prime Eighty Two Restaurant. Uh, Be sure to find it at uh, BigHitsBigFun.com, most of the socials, too. Franco out.